Do you feel that in a time when we are more connected than ever, we are drifting away from real human connection, especially to ourselves? I do. Hi, I'm Leticia Latino, and I want to invite you to join me and my very inspiring guests in exploring ways to reconnect to your essence, to your definite purpose, to what makes you tick. Are you ready? Hello, everybody, and welcome to a new episode of Back to Basics, Reconnecting to the Essence of You. Join me in welcoming Kayla Garner, who is a telecom and tech policy lawyer currently working as a broadband infrastructure consultant. Kayla has a background in public safety, corporate security, and law and policy. An esteemed leader and industry expert, Kayla uses her influence to mentor young African-American law students and policy professionals and helps to gild their career focus. On top of that, I consider Kayla a good friend. So hello and welcome to Back to Basics. Thank you, Leticia. Thank you for having me on. I'm good. so excited. I'm so excited that you're here and that I wanted to, to give that extra context because people that listen to the show know that I don't interview a lot of people from the industry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I'm very excited because we've been talking about this and I admire so much of the stuff you do that I was so happy to learn that you were eager to come and tell your story and share your journey in Back to Basics. Absolutely. I um, I really did gain a lot of inspiration from your recent show where you talked about home and, and reconnecting with the essence of you and what that meant for your career journey and I've spent a lot of time recently at home myself. I'm actually physically in Nashville and I had, you know, a lot of different recent events that occurred that drew me back here, which I'll discuss with you all today. But um, that has certainly really brought me to the essence of myself and, and helped me reconnect with a lot of things that were core to my passions and helping me just build and shape, you know, my career and, you know, what initially set me on my path to want to shape a lot of things that I wanted to form the person that I am today. So I'm happy to be able to get back to my roots. And, you know, I'm happy to be able to share some of my passions that got me on track to the course of building my career and the professional that I am today. And a lot of those early inspirations were foundations that were laid right here at home. Well, that's fantastic. And I'm only sad that we cannot do this. Last time we, we were, you know, talking like this, we were at a beautiful restaurant in D.C. Uh, we had jazz behind us. You know, it was a place you chose. And uh, I mean, knowing what you're going to share with us, uh, I've always thought of D.C. when I think of you. And now you're back home in Nashville. So tell me about that. Tell me about, is this where you grew up? This is where I grew up. I am a Nashville native. I'm born and raised. All of my family is here in the Tennessee area, mostly in Nashville. I have some in the Springfield or kind of Ridgetop, Baker Station kind of area. I have some relatives that are in Texas, but mostly we're Tennessee Central. Yeah. Oh, well, I hope I know there were some recent floodings and it's very, you know, sad to see what's going on. I hope everybody out there is it's healthy on your end. 
Yeah, thankfully so. Tennessee often seems to get the brunt of a lot of weather catastrophes, unfortunately. We um, we get a lot of tornadoes and flooding and um, just weather events that, again, are one of those things that encouraged a lot of my career interests in the network resiliency space because you often see a lot of folks affected or impacted in these areas and that have their comms network failures that are um, unfortunately harmed by a lot of these weather catastrophes and in certain areas where they don't have the kind of resources that can strengthen and harden their networks to make them as resilient and as um, reliable as they need to be. When these events occur, then they're, you know, at the mercy of, you know, whatever companies are coming in to help restore services. And sometimes that time clock can be a lengthy process. But working with industry and seeing how this process can work where they can kind of be cross-functional and engaging with, you know, different partners, it's, it's definitely been, you know, interesting and engaging to see how that can kind of develop from this whole process. But again, that's kind of like leading from my initial core interests, kind of seeing how people on the local level can be impacted by um, a lot of the the calamities on the ground. That's, uh, well, yeah, once you wear that hat, you cannot take it off. I know that, uh, you know, once you've been in the telecommunication industry and you see all these, even when we are on vacation or we're just taking a break or whatever we're doing, we always go back into into seeing how we can improve telecom and, and make sure that everybody has connectivity. So tell me about mm -hmm. uh, young Kayla, where you were growing up, what you were passionate about, what, what were you dreaming to be? Funny enough, when I was younger, I would always tell people that I wanted to be president when I was in the fourth grade. Oh, I can see that. <laughs> I would always, oh, I'm going to be, you know, someone in charge of everybody. I ran for student council president. I ran for local offices when I was younger on like a, you know, student level. I've always been very civically engaged and I just had a very politically minded focus. I like to be in student leadership and engagement. And then, of course, I was the type of kid who always participated in um, debates and extemporaneous speech competitions. So I was drawn to social sciences and civic studies. So I even participated in a civics camp one summer. So wow. I definitely had a lot of grooming toward that end. So it was no surprise when I ended up going to law school and later moving toward DC because I had counselors in my early education that were directing me that path I felt. They were really encouraging that interest that I had in civics and government. So then I had some teachers, my government teacher in high school specifically, that I felt really did encourage that early interest that I had. And I'm thankful for that because it led me in a pretty solid direction. Well, I definitely, if I can say something as a disclaimer, it's, uh, and, and, and you have a lot of experience, but I'm 48 and you're definitely a few years younger than me. And every time I saw you in DC, I say, oh my God, like she, like you seem to be, to be in where, doing what you do for like 50 years. Like you're so good at what you do. So definitely you had to have some strong foundation there because also DC is a tough city. 
you know, government and that kind of environment is very difficult. But, you know, I could tell that you knew from very, and that might change, but, you know, like you definitely have a passion that is very palpable when, when someone is around you. I really appreciate that, Leticia. I do. I, I honestly credit that from learning by doing. And a lot of that foundational experience for me came from internships, mentorships, great mentors like yourself, sponsors, and, and people who really just showed me the ropes. I didn't come from a background where I had a lot of rearing in that way to learn the nature of the cutthroat business of networking and climbing in a place like D.C. And it can be very cutthroat. So navigating a space like that is challenging. If you come from somewhere like Nashville, where people generally are, are more helpful, I mean, this is the volunteer state. People are, are generally pretty kind-hearted, neighborly, um, helpful, giving, <laughs> honest, decent people. But then you go to a place like the D.C. Metro and you find quickly that people can be very self-serving and very rigorous about their career ambitions and not always helpful to each other and their colleagues. And, you know, certain environments are not always collegial. They don't always embrace each other. And they're not always inclusive, especially for people like me. So I have to be tactical and, and careful in these spaces. And I have learned a lot in my experiences about how to navigate around minefields and how to find my friends and avoid my foes and how to carefully, how to move around them and, and how to, you know, find, you know, people who are going to be supportive of me throughout this process. And that's just, it's been a journey, honestly. And I'm thankful for every, for every bit of it and, and, and emerging as someone who knows how to, to play this game and, and to do it, you know, with, with a bit of esteem and, and with, you know, some, some decorum about myself is something that I do pride myself on because I want to be an example for young women who are coming into the space because I want them to also say, okay, I can lift as I climb. I can look around and, and take advantage of really solid opportunities. And I don't have to be um, a nasty person, or I don't have to be an elitist, or I don't have to leave other people behind as I do it. I can, you know, also, you know, share the knowledge and the wisdom that I'm gaining as I grow forward. But at the same time, I can kind of advocate for myself and look out for other young professionals and show them how to do this as well. And then also share the gains that I'm that I'm winning as I grow ahead in my career. So that's what I try to do and just impart that wisdom. It's not always easy. It's definitely a balancing act. And there are going to be people who are going to be threatened by your success. And there are going to be people who are going to want to, you know, share in your journey. But I just Again, you just have to carefully navigate it and then, of course, balance your interests along the way. Well, you put it out very well. And I will add, I credit you, which you're, as I said, younger than me, with the, being the first person that planted the seed in me to potentially be part of a, you know, FCC committee. And you were the one that say, have you ever considered doing this? And this is something I had never considered, never even thought, you know, that I have the capacity, and you were the one that really gave me the extra push. And I, I'm grateful for that because through your eyes, I saw, oh, th there's there's something here where I can serve and contribute in something that, I, and, I be, and I'm passionate about it because I like helping. And that's how I ended mm -hmm. up at the FCC committee. 
uh, for two years. And that was something I would have never thrown my, my name on the hat if it wasn't for you. So I think the mentoring is something that people always look at it is going, you know, we have to mentor the young, but you also mentor older people that haven't, you know, explored areas of their lives or their capacities that, you know, when you have someone like you saying, you, you should look into this. And I took it seriously and I did. And I thank you for that. Absolutely. That's what I'm here for, to be a resource. <laughs> yeah. This is the, the, the magic is that because you, when you, a lot of people say these things, but you don't find a lot of people doing these things. This is my experience. Uh, you know, in our industry, you hear everybody wants to help and sure, call me and do this. And then they're given the perfect opportunity, you know, to show someone <laughs> some help. And, and I've seen it happen over and over, not only to me, but to others. And they don't really lift a finger. And so, you know, that's <laughs> where I think that, that, that just who you are, it just um, transcends anything you're doing. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of lip service in D.C. I, I see that all the time, especially with the diversity, equity and inclusion panels and monikers and posts and placards all over the place. But then you see less than that in diverse representation in these companies and in these organizations, whether in their leadership or on their boards or in the actual operational function of the organization itself. So it's, yes, I can appreciate people who practice what they preach all day, whether it be in their personal values or in the organizational values that they, you know, put forward. I'm a woman of my word. So if I say, you know, I'm here to be a resource and I like to be helpful to the people in my network, that's what I do. And not just because I have an expectation to get something back. That's just who I am. I, I truly believe that you, you pay it forward. You, I mean, I don't have anything to lose from that. I have enjoyed a career where people have sewn into me so much. I don't come from an experience so much where nepotism is something that I can benefit from in D.C. I don't have a wealth of relatives that I can kind of benefit from climbing and connecting through to get different career positions. So I've, I've really had to build my network through strategic engagement, through connecting in professional organizations, through volunteering, through taking on leadership roles. But I'm, I'm happy to do it because that's my nature that fits with my personality. I'm very outgoing and I'm happy to serve. But at the same time, I have to safeguard my principles. I have to be wary of the organization and its values and who it has at the helm, the quality of the leadership of said organizations and the people that it has leading its committees. That has to be something that I take into consideration before I volunteer my time. But then also, I stand at the service of these spaces because it gives me an opportunity to give back and to lead as well. And I think that, you know, it's a valuable resource to be able to build on my own network and to, you know, expand myself as a resource to the community, to the industry that I work in. And it just kind of is a cycle that continues to feed and build on itself. And that's what I hope to continue doing. Well, that's great. So, I mean, and, and we know each other, so I want to be cognizant of that fact. So you, you definitely, you work in, when I met you in the, you know, the wireless industry and, uh, 
and doing important work and you were based in DC. Now you kind of told me you're back in Nashville and I say, don't tell me anything. Let's keep it for the episode so that I learn it uh, with my audience. So tell me about where you're at right now. What are your, because I imagine when you find first got to DC, that was like a big, like, oh my God, I made it. I'm in DC, right? <laughs> I always thought that, you know, Nashville was too small for me when I was growing up. And even now, sometimes when I'm kind of looking around downtown, I'm like, is this big enough? I don't know. <laughs> I, I kind of go back and forth. But then, you know, that push toward D.C. from early career advisors, academic advisors when I was in high school just made me feel like D.C. is where I'm supposed to be. Right. Especially if I want to be in politics. The Hill is there. All of the the federal agencies are there, you know, the executive branch, White House. I'm supposed to be in D.C., right? Mm -hmm. um, that's where I'm headed in my career. So just coming to D.C., I came to D.C. in 2006. So I've been in the D.C. metro for over 15 years. And um, I've built most of my career. My, my young adult life has, has been in the D.C. metro area, capital area region. All of my career positions and education has been in the area. So I'm grateful for that and the opportunities that I've had coming up on some recent career transitions and the loss of a close friend. I was prompted to come home to be closer to family, to kind of help me transition and, and deal with some things. Then also, I wanted to, to have the space to, to readjust. I, I realized that being in D.C., I'm always again, a resource to a lot of my policy friends and colleagues. And I want to use this time right now to give myself some boundaries and to, to limit my outreach to my own career pivot, as it were, and to kind of explore my next moves. I know that I am in a phase right now where I could potentially look to other opportunities in law and policy. But I'm also looking at entrepreneurial endeavors, especially in the consulting space. And that's what I had talked to you about briefly. I had been doing some work in outreach to um, historically Black colleges and universities related to broadband infrastructure deployment. There are a lot of federal funding mechanisms that are currently available to HBCUs and minority-serving institutions and tribal colleges, um, specifically out of the consolidated budget of 2021. Um, a lot of these funding sources are, are ripe for grant application, one in particular from the Connecting Minority Communities pilot program out of the National Telecommunications and Information Administration, NTIA. So I have been providing outreach to some HBCUs on that particular initiative and offering my services as a broadband infrastructure consultant, hoping to help HBCUs avoid some of the early pitfalls in getting pigeonholed by some of the larger tech providers that may be trying to position some of these HBCUs into early deals that might uh, preclude them from working with a broader range of technology neutral providers. So just trying to help them um, navigate the process of the grant application, of shopping for providers to work with in their deployment projects and exploring how to um, look at digital literacy programs in 
a broad scale, and then also looking at how to maintain projects once they're up and running. It can be a lot to consider, but having been someone who's worked for national associations and having worked on the Hill and at the FCC and understanding a lot of the landscape regarding um, national deployment efforts, I stand ready to help these communities that, you know, I'm so passionate about serving anyway. Having graduated from HBCUs, I'm a proud Howard alum, of course, a double bison. So I, I definitely stand ready to to help and to serve HBCUs in any ways that I can. So I've had a lot of conversations with friends and my network and colleagues, and I, I definitely see a lot of patterns and a lot of familiar names and um, companies that are starting to emerge in this process. So I I know what I'm wanting to to stand out and and prevent from what I'm seeing early on. And I'm I'm wanting to to share the information that I do have where I can forge collaborations. So that's what I've been doing in my early consultation outreach in this process. So the notice of funding opportunity for this particular grant program is open until December 1st. So I'm in the process now of still providing outreach to HBCUs, but that is where I currently stand in Nashville, transitioning and pivoting and doing all the great things on my own and using the knowledge that I have to to redefine my worth as a professional. And it feels pretty good. Wow. That's, uh, I'm excited for you. I think that, um, Definitely you, you know, and I, and I know that a lot of our, my audience is not in telecom, but I think what you described, you know, is really what is needed right now. And uh, there's so much money, even if the audience is not in telecom, you all heard about the infrastructure bill. There's huge amount of money going to broadband. We, the industry really wants to make sure that the co- connectivity gets where it needs to get and that we don't leave anybody behind and that we really bridge the digital divide. And, and and really, Kayla, what you're saying is where we need, that the help is needed the most is in the underserved areas. And I'm 100% with you in terms that as I also got more familiarized with grants and these programs, I always say the private sector is responsible. I mean, I consider myself irresponsible for not knowing more about this before. And now that I understand that really there's a lot of programs that people that are benefiting are only the ones that understand the programs and how they can get their hands on the money. And then the money doesn't get where it needs to go. Right. And so I think that your vision there, it's it's really a place where you can contribute significantly because a lot of these institutions don't know what to do. Like they know they want to, but they, it's so complicated, not only the grant aspect of it and the government, but also the technology aspect of it. And, and so, and I know, and, you know, I already have one of my guests to introduce you to, if you haven't uh, met him, but I, I interviewed the president of uh, Rockamore College, Community College, Dr. Mm-hmm. Michael Baston, and uh, he's episode 78, I think. So you have to check it out. And he, first of all, he also told me he dreamt about wanting to be a president. I told him, I would vote for you if you are. And you're the second person that has said that. And and you were talking, I say, Kayla, I would vote for you if you were, if I could vote because I'm not a citizen, but in any case. 
<laughs> but the two, of, you know, it's so aligned in terms of the vision, but on two different sides. He wants to do more things, but he also has to navigate and understand. And so I can put the two of you together. But I think that's exciting. Thank you. Exciting stuff. And as a friend, I would say go for that. I would. I, I think you can always go back to, you know, what you were doing because your experience is so broad. But this is an area where you can really put to use all of your skills and, and, and passions and knowledge into doing some major good. Mm-hmm. I believe so. I'm, I think for a lot of these funding opportunities, they are finite. They have deadlines and you have to strike while the iron is hot. These companies will always need lobbyists. These politicians will always need advisors and staffers. So I feel that there will always be professional opportunities for the energetic and the hungry. But if you are enterprising and forward thinking and you can jump on an entrepreneurial endeavor like this and kind of take advantage of it, why not? So I think that's what I'm looking to do. Absolutely. Well, and and tell me, so tell me, this is a big moment. And I know you reach out and say, I, w- I have a perfect back to basics story. And, and you do because you're going through uh, right now through a lot of the things that I know my audience goes through when they listen to. And it's, you know, you have a very successful career. You made a name for yourself already in D.C. And I know this because I've seen you in action and uh, and now you can still find something that it's related where you don't completely lose, let's say, that effort. Because I think people think when they make a career change, they always see like an all or nothing thing. They say, I'm going to lose all I've done. And in reality, there's so many angles you can go and, and, and look into where you just build on what you have done so far. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I don't think I lose any of that. The connections, the relationships, if anything, I think I I have an opportunity to expand them and to connect with more professionals in academia, connect with more telecom providers on the local level. Um, I, I think it's a growth opportunity, honestly. There's more business relationships to be made. There's more, more, more. The DC sick never goes away. They're always there. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and and as I say, it's a tough decision because like, you know, you, as I say, you're, you're still, you know, in the younger years of life, I think you have, you know, a lot to look forward to. Is it what part of going back home is the part that now you think, oh, I miss this so much. Now that you're back in Nashville, coming from DC, what has been maybe a rediscovery uh, of being in your city? I, I think I miss having like my mom's attentive care sometimes. Oh, like yeah. if I was able to say like, oh, mom, I have a crook in my neck. My mom's a nurse too. Oh, so oh just, that's great. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's a good one. Yeah, it's easy to be like, oh, mom, I have a, a migraine and she'll just kind of be running around pampering me. <laughs> if I'm at home by myself, Miss Independent, I'm just having to suffer alone. I know. If I'm I... here, <laughs> then I can just kind of curl up under mommy and she will figure it out for me. So that's, that's a hard one to yeah. to give up. I know <laughs> that I was living in, in Miami for seven years before I decided also through, you know, I was working for Nortel and the uh, the whole company went belly up. And I said, you know, this is a good time to go back home. And and I went back home. 
it was hard because, you know, I had been living alone in Miami for many years. And, and so, but I, I so enjoy being with my family and all that. And, and in my case, and I'm going to share this piece because I don't know what stage of life you are in that front, but I, I spent like almost two years back home and I realized I was single at the time and I realized that it was going to be very hard for me to find uh, the guy back home because I had already been exposed to so much multinational aspects of things and and people that work in different parts of the world and just the group of people that I surrounded myself back home. I, it seemed like very, it, it seemed very difficult to go and find someone, you know, as it was. I said, I don't think I'm going to find the person here. Something told me you have to go back, right? But it's funny because people, and I still hear this, people think I didn't adapt to being back home. And I say nothing more distant from the truth. I could have adapted to having my parents close by and being pampered, as you said. I, I was <laughs> adapted. I just, it felt to me that, okay, I tried this and maybe I need to go back. So mm-hmm. I am sure that at some point you're going to have that pull and push. Yeah. Because it's it's a it's a difficult balance uh, to find. Yeah, it is definitely. I will be going back on Saturday to try to tie up some loose ends, figure out what I'm going to be doing transition wise in D.C. But there's always the the ever present pull toward oh we're having some rooftop um, <laughs> happy hour. Oh we're having this social gathering. Oh we're having this. There's always that with yes. my friends and network and there's always something that is my draw in DC there's always something social to to engage with people and I do love that aspect of being in the DC metro so well but but with the vision you're laying out I can I am sure you have many excuses to go back to, yeah to DC right yeah I'll just have to pop in occasionally for for, for the big for the big stuff and then I'll have to find my own Nashville network eventually. Oh, I'm sure you have <laughs> no problem with that. And you know, the other thing I want to touch briefly upon is that you uh, are big on mentorship. And I was already mentoring young women, but I was doing it informally and didn't, you know, like I was just finding people to help and I would help them. And you were the first one that really dragged me into doing it more formally. So that's another thing I have to thank you for. <laughs> For sure. And and I know I think it's so admirable your commitment to to mentoring young women and, and also young African American women because that's kind of your background. This is I know that I also when I help Hispanic girls and you know, I know I can understand, really understand where they're coming from. Yeah. And uh, so you wanna share a little bit about your mentoring experience? Absolutely. So um through WWLF, the the women's wireless leadership forum. I formerly served as the co-director of programs. So I used to, to lead the mentorship network for the organization. And it's a, a great organization that connects women in the wireless industry. That was an opportunity to help pair off women and kind of find women who are more senior in their careers and pair them with women who are more junior in the organization and help them build relationships so that they can engage and, and kind of have a more formal roadmap toward mentorship and engagement. So I I always felt like those types of relationships were helpful. They were especially beneficial to me in my career because 
I could learn great things from wonderful women like Letitia, who mm. so selflessly give of their time and their wisdom and guidance to, to younger women who are, are building their careers. And you can learn so much from, from other people and, and following their paths and their journeys from you know how they were able to to navigate the the jobs they've had the the personalities they've worked with how they've been able to organize their their work streams and balance different obligations that they've had between um having a family and just managing different responsibilities outside of the job like um participating in organizations and managing leadership roles and how to climb the corporate ladder or explore promotion potential or different professional development opportunities, how to ask for raises, um, how to seek or advocate for yourself as a professional or how to seek accommodations as a professional or just a, a minefield of different things that you might have to navigate throughout your career. Mentors can really help you to explore reasonable ways to do that, especially if they've been in similar or like situations where they've had to navigate those roads themselves. So I, I think it can be very helpful to have champions in your pocket that you can tap as resources who are, are vitally helpful to, to helping understand how to play the game and, and do it effectively. And, you know, the more the merrier. I don't limit myself on engaging mentors. I encourage people to, to always build on relationships because it's, it's a helpful way to, to, to grow and learn. And, and no one is ever above or beyond a point in their career where they can no longer benefit from learning. So I think that one of my favorite things in my career is connecting so I go to networking events a lot, whether it be a, a social event or a mixer or a happy hour. And I know that a lot of former colleagues may have assumed, oh, you know, she likes to be social. She just likes to go to happy hours and stuff. But really, I'm making connections. Like my mindset has always been to make the connections. And it's a successful event or a program or networking initiative or whatever, if I make at least two connections, if I have exchanged cards or gotten contact information with at least two people, those are people that I'm going to follow up with. Those are people that I'm going to schedule coffees with or go out to lunch with. Now I've got new connections in my network. Those might be future mentors. Those might be people that I can mentor. Those could be sponsors, et cetera, and so on. So I'm just constantly trying to build constantly trying to connect and constantly trying to be a resource to other people because that builds on my brand and that allows me to be able to continue to expand on the wealth of, of knowledge that I have because I can continue to gain from other people and I can continue to provide for other people as well as much as I have anything that I see or will see that can help or benefit other people that I've met along the way. Well, that's a big nugget of wisdom you just laid out there. I think anybody should, you know, that it wants to know about how to network better, or why this is important. You should go back a minute into this interview and re-listen to what Kayla just shared, because I think that's so important. You know, I think it's in my LinkedIn profile that I share 
how in my early years, I was called the social butterfly. And many, <laughs> many times, one or two bosses were not that happy because in my mortal years, I was always chatting with people. And uh-huh. I can definitely relate to what you're saying, how some people think, oh, they're just chatting all the time or they're not focused. And yeah. yet, I always say I was collecting information. When something happened, I knew exactly who was working on what. Mm-hmm. I knew who could help you. And then people would be surprised. Like, how do you know they're working on that project? And I say, because I spend time talking to people. Because <laughs> people tell me things. <laughs> yes, exactly. But it's so funny that there's this perception uh-huh. that you're wasting time. And don't take me wrong. There's people that gossip all day and then the, the, the quality of the information they gather. You know, I always say you have to leave a little thing of this, a little bit of that. And, and uh, but the power of just talking to people, making that connection as you as you shared and just seeing that it's an open door. You don't know where that open door is going to take you. I think a lot of people want to know exactly what does that relationship relationship serves me now? Right. And that's a mistake because you don't know what how that relationship is going to serve you maybe in the future. Exactly. Right. So exactly. that that's amazing. So uh, I have one, two last questions for you. The one, I have good friends with daughters studying law with very with a very big political mind. So I think you're the perfect perfect person to ask this. What would you tell like? As someone that just started a law career and that they say Washington is in my horizon, what kind of advice would you provide? I would say keep your game face on. You know, it's it's definitely a lion's den. So when you come to D.C., just come prepared, understanding that these are spaces where there are people who are very cutthroat. And that's just being honest. I'm being candid with you. Washington, D.C. is a place where there are people who really build their careers stepping on each other's necks. I don't (laughs) think nobody's surprised by listening to that. I think any form of, you know, capital city or government, you know, the power power is obviously we all know that the ego (laughs) power is the it feeds into the ego straight into it. Absolutely. So you so need for, someone very balanced not to let that ego go to their heads. Sure. So for women especially, I think it's a it's a very different landscape for us to navigate because there are certain expectations of women that we still have to tread differently even though we have the same end goals as our male counterparts. We might want those same outcomes those same successes from that cutthroat environment, but it's not as favorable if you approach them outwardly with the same type of aggressive stance as your male peers, if that makes sense. You still have to shape your positioning in a way where you are very image conscious about your grace and your civility and your poise and all of those things because you you want to win favor and you want to to maintain your your relationships and your good manner so as a woman you have to be especially careful to that end and i know that that doesn't always seem fair but that is the game and you have to learn it and you will learn it swiftly especially if you come to dc and work in policy 
Yeah, well, and and that's that's very valuable advice. And I think I always go back because we're both big advocates of uh, diversity and inclusion. And uh, I always say the gender bias issue is really is the root of the problem. Is and what you describe is really gender bias. Yeah. They <laughs> expect women to behave differently than men. And mm-hmm. until we solve that problem, we do have to tread lightly, lighter yeah. than than men. And that's just the way it is, unfortunately. Yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. Well, that's I'll, I'll definitely make sure to point them into the specifically this part because <laughs> I, I and I'm and I'm I'm with you as also what you were saying in the committees of diversity and inclusion. Like I feel that a lot of people are just talking at this point. We we made progress that we're talking about it. But I feel we are a little bit stalled that people are not taking the opportunities we have to really start making important changes. So I, I feel my own frustration too. Like, okay, we've done the talk. Now the talk sounded good. It's all pretty. But now we have to go to the next step. You cannot stay on phase one forever. You have to move yeah. to the next phase. And uh, and so that is the challenge we all have. But hopefully, you know, the work you're doing and the work that everybody's trying to do and to create awareness is going to make it a little bit easier for the ones behind us into how they, you know, the scene they're going to find when they make it to the scene. Yep. I hope so. I yep. definitely hope so. Me too. Me too. So my friend, last question. I always end the interviews with this. What makes you tick now that you're back home, now that you feel more reconnected to yourself? Share a little bit of that with, with us, if you might. Sure. What makes me tick? I think standing up for the little guy makes me tick. I have always been a person to fight for the underdog and to advocate for people who do not have the elitist position. So I think being someone who has come from very humble beginnings and clawed my way to where I feel is a more comfortable standing and will continue clawing and climbing. I'm going to drag a whole lot of other people with me. And I think that that is my driving force. That is what makes me tick is being positioned, being blessed enough to be able to have the aptitude and the fortitude to be able to to take myself to heights unexpected of me and to defy expectations. And at this point, I feel like sky's the limit and I'm taking a whole lot of other people who are underestimated with me too. So that's what makes me tick. Well, I love it. And you know what I love the most is that everything you share with us that you're about to do or that you're working on doing really aligns with what makes you tick. And I think that's the formula to success is when you align what makes you tick with what you work on day in and day out, that's the recipe for a fulfilled life, for a life in po- on purpose. And so I'm I'm really excited for you about uh, what you are going to do in the future because it's going to be great. Thank you so much, Leticia. I really appreciate that. Thank you, Kayla. Thanks for sharing all the wisdom and your journey with us. And uh, I say goodbye to everybody. And until a new episode of Back to Basics. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye. You've been listening to Back to Basics. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you haven't yet, subscribe 
Rate and review this podcast on Apple Podcasts or any of your favorite streaming platforms. This is the best gift you can give us. Join me next week for another Back to Basics conversation. And if you want to find out about other exciting things I'm working on, visit leticialatino.com. Thank you and until the next time.